Joining us this morning, and we're very grateful for his time, is Adelaide Recruiting Manager, Hamish Ogilvie. How are you going, Hamish? Morning, Rob. I'm going well, mate. Very good. Now, Recruiting Manager, is that, have I uh, undersold you there? or? Well, national, but uh, post-COVID, we do a bit of everything because we don't have as many staff as we used to have. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's all, all hands on deck. That's right. We uh, had the pleasure of talking with Tim uh, on Tuesday and he was talking about some of the challenges of the reduced staffing down there. How's that actually impacted the department in terms of scouting and, and getting intel and that sort of stuff? Uh, we just do the best we can with what, we've, what we had. We've probably uh, you know, narrowed our focus in regards to the, around the country, you know, we don't have a part-timer in New South Wales or Queensland anymore, but that's manageable because generally those boys go to the clubs they're attached to. So even if you bid sort of outside 40, if we were to bid, say, for the example on Faye, we probably knew GWS would have matched. So we probably uh, took some staffing hours and time away from New South Wales and Queensland and devoted it to WA, Victoria and SA. Do we? Am I right in saying that uh, Banook's no longer with us or on a reduced capacity? No, Banook comes on as a consultant at the end of the year. He sits in on list management um, fortnightly and monthly during the year, but then he comes on for the trade and draft period, uh, and he's waiting to get into the USA to do a Masters at Duke University, which has had to be put off because of COVID. So the plan for him is to still continue as a consultant, which is, is just unbelievably valuable. Um, and he'll go off to America when he can get in there and um, start working on his MBA. And um, hopefully as, as things progress, we might be able to get him back full time once he's completed that. So he's a pretty smart cookie. So maybe he'll bowl it over the whole thing over in a year. I don't know. Just smash it out. Yeah. <laughs> And how valuable, uh, like his role has been in place, I guess, what, for a couple of years now, and it it struck me as something that was a little bit of a new approach in AFL circles. Would that be fair to say, and has it been valuable to to really sort of be more data-driven in, in that space? Well, certainly um, the work that BK and Dean have done over the year, Dean's our analyst um, on data, we probably were a leader in that area, going back to when Dave Noble was GM of footy, and list manager, we started to implement um, the use of data and analytics. So, um, yeah, it's been a very valuable checking tool. And you'll see, if you watch the coverage on draft night, you'll see Dean in the corner. The boys are pumping out numbers and producing. Um, they've got a system that manages future picks and the draft picks and alters the picks as we go along on draft night. So their valuations and how they rate and rank and how the computer algorithms process all their numbers has been um, yeah, super valuable. So we think we're a leader in that area. Look, it's not the be-all and end-all and the footy and watching them play is the most important thing, but that puts some context around it all and um, this is a really valuable checking mechanism for us. So those guys have some strength in data and analytics that you know I don't have. So uh, we work together and we, we crunch it all and put it all together and we're still looking for the perfect system, so we keep working on it. Yeah, how many times have you watched Moneyball? <laughs> uh, once or twice. Um, draft, day, draft day gets a bit of a, a run. Um, a few quotes and clips from Kevin Costner just before the draft. We have a bit of a laugh. Uh, uh, and the boys watch a bit of that before the draft. But um, no, Moneyball's probably long gone. We're probably uh, past that and added to the systems that the, the Oakland A's devised many years ago.
Yeah, um, and I guess um, just following on from that then, given the reduced seasons over the last couple of years with COVID, I suppose the the amount of data available just in terms of statistics is has been a little bit limited. Is that Would that be right? Yeah, because champion data obviously were hit um, by COVID as well, so their staffing numbers reduced and some of the volume of information uh, they give us has decreased a little bit. But we've, we've had... No national champs is the one because we get really, really good data, head-to-head, time on ground and so forth from national championships. But without a national championships, there's a big piece of data that we, we can't crunch because we didn't get it. Um, and, for example, the Vic Country Vic Metro game this year wasn't classified as a full nationals game, so we didn't we got stats on that game, but not the comprehensive data we usually get from national championships. So it was a little bit decreased. We got plenty of data from WA and SA during the year and the NAB League games that took place early in the year. So we had enough, but it wasn't as comprehensive as it usually is. I noticed when I was just trying to dig up some stats just on the surface, uh, the WA boys' stats were impossible to find, so uh, it has been a little bit reduced. In our discussion with Tim the other day, he mentioned that some of the projections go back to the under-16s nationals, and I guess my question is, I understand you've been tracking a lot of these boys you know, from a, a long way out, but how much weight do you put on those earlier championships given that the boys are still developing at that age? Well, we had to put more on it this year because we didn't have the volume of games that we've had in past years. It's a pretty good form line. I mean, you can even go back to the under-12 primary school national championships. And if you look at, um, for example, this year's draft, a lot of those boys are actually in the, the Victorian under-12 team. Now, yeah. sometimes we might we might go and watch it under-12 and under-15 school boys just for a little bit of interest. But... Generally, there's a good chunk of players that actually come through from that under-12 team. So I think we had, even on our list, Sam Berry played in that. Um, I was surprised that Taylor and and Saligo didn't play in it, but there was a you know Finn Callahan played in it from this year's draft. Um, I'm just looking up at our board, some of the other boys. That, there's been a lot of players that have played the under-12s and under-15s along the way. Yeah. Um, so the 16s was important this year, particularly because we missed, you know, sort of 10 or so games of NAB League this year. And then last year, there was no footy in Victoria. So we had to go back to it more than ever. I mean, if you go back to, say, Jake Lever, his projection from the 16s carried pretty true. Um, so it's been a pretty good form line. Generally, it's a good way to forecast the strength of the draft a couple of years ahead. So... Um, and we went back to it and watched the vision and crunched the numbers more so this year than in the past. But, so it's a good form line. Let's kind of go, if we can, just quickly through the specific players that we drafted. And obviously, young Jack, Josh Rochelle at uh, number four slash six looks a bit of a live wire. Was he on our radar a long way out? Yeah, he was. I mean, he was. you can make a case he was the best player at the 16 Nationals and that, that, you know, that championship contained... Jason Horn Francis, um, you know, Matty Roberts was in it. Um, Wanganeen hadn't surfaced at that stage. Uh, Lad Rankin that got picked up late in the draft, he was a good player in the 16 Nationals. Um, you know, Sonsi was there. Um, Zach Taylor and Saligo were there. So he'd been rated high up. He looked like a first rounder at the 16 Nationals. He won the medal as a mid. Um, didn't obviously play much in 2020. Uh, we actually saw a very early game. He played for Shep, um, just a local practice game. We went up to watch another lad and he was playing in it. So we saw one or two games before COVID hit 
2020, and then obviously this year we pretty much saw every game he played. I even watched the school game during COVID that we weren't allowed into the ground, stood on the footpath, <laughs> which was close enough, um, was as good a seat as you'd get anyway. And Is that the one that got played. a bit willing? Yes, for Caulfield yeah. against Brighton, that's a pretty willing game. Was I think I said it was at Caulfield ground, it was actually at Brighton grammar. Stood on the footpath, watched him play that day, played mid and forward. So um, by that stage, that was sort of middle of the year, May, that he was well and truly on our radar and pretty much... Um, you know, as the draft settled about two weeks out, he was always going to be our man. It was pretty predictable how the top few were going to go. So, yeah, he was our man. Unless something went amiss and Gold Coast or one of the teams ahead of us picked him, we were pretty much always going to pick him at our selection. And I, I don't really want to, you know, go through the what-ifs or whatever, but uh, I guess the only two that might have slipped in ahead would have been Finn Callahan and through some hand of God trade, uh, Jason Horn Francis. Is that fair, a fair call? Yeah, that's pretty much. And we had to consider uh, a plan. If Josh had got picked before us, we probably would have looked to slide back and, and maybe pick Wanganeen. But um, yeah. it was pretty clear it wasn't going to happen. And after the trade with North Melbourne didn't go, um, we were pretty much always going to pick Josh and we're wrapped to have him. You know, he's got power, he's got real power. Um, he sort of his speed comes from his balance and power. Zero to ten, zero to five around the contest, hit the ground. The soccer certainly has helped there. Um, he is very balanced, but he's he's strong through the core. He doesn't fall over. He can go air and ground. So um, you know that's those are valuable traits inside fifty. And as he builds an engine through training, he'll go into the midfield in in the years to come. Yeah. That, that's how the club's projecting it, that he will end up a midfielder rather than the small medium forward? Well, I think so, but I, I think he'll always have so much value as a forward. He'll, he'll play um, you know, significant amounts of time forward, whether he's an impact mid or a, you know, an 80% mid, I'm not, I'm not so sure. I think because of his value as a forward, he'll probably be at, you know, like a 50-50. He'll play half his time forward, half his time mid, I think from sort of 22-23 onwards. Yeah, Um the one I think that um, wasn't on a lot of people's radars in terms of Adelaide uh, was Jake, now you pronounce his name Saligo, is that right? Yeah, I say Saligo, some people say Saligo and Jake's never pulled me up on it, so right. <laughs> uh, we'll, just, we'll just call him Jake, eh? Yeah, uh, he was projected around around that pick, but uh, not really mentioned in dispatches in fandoms and all that sort of stuff uh, with regards to our pick. But another really solid sort of engine room player. Yeah, look, he, he Jake's real strength is through his gut running and and just his super well rounded game. So he was he was always on our radar. We we were we considered him a fair way out. I mean, he was a prominent player at the sixteens. Um, and really didn't put a foot wrong this year. Like his, some of his performances were for Eastern were outstanding. Didn't get as much time in the midfield for Vic Metro. Stood a bit on the wing, a little bit forward. Played on the wing for Richmond VFL. Um, but yeah, he was he was always on our radar. We thought he sort of would go somewhere from about pick 19. We really didn't expect him to get through to 33. We knew there was a lot of interest from those clubs in there, but fortunately yeah. through. So. Um, yeah, look, he's just left foot, right foot, ball takes extremely clean. Just a really, really smart, well-rounded player. So we were keen to get some more midfield depth in there. Um, so really pleased to get him. You know, he, he, he can play mid, half back, forward, um, can play on the wing. A lot of mids, you know, rotate through inside the contest and onto the wing now. So he can play all those spots. And his game's just super well-rounded. So he's not a he's not a raw kid that 
has to come in and be taught yeah. much craft. You know, he can already go left and right. His ball takes really clean. He's a really good decision maker. So his game's really well rounded. So he was he was always going to be on our radar if he could get yeah. through to our pick. But uh, we didn't really expect. We we thought Richmond had some pretty strong interest. Yeah, and he's been really good mates with um, Sonsi along the way. So we thought maybe Richmond might have kept those two together, but. Um, Sammy Banks probably helped us a bit there. Richmond picked Sam, and that probably allowed Jake to get through to us. And uh, it strikes me as a bit of a um, Sam Berry in terms of almost like not so much maybe in size, but certainly in terms of craft, uh, almost ready to go. Yeah, well, he's, he's not as big as Sam, and he's probably not as brutal inside the con- contest as Sam is because Sam's got really good size for a 19-year-old kid. Yeah. You know, he played 14, 15 games, and his first year off no footy. As an 18-year-old, was amazing. Um, so who knows where he can get to with a, you know, a couple more full pre-seasons. So Sam's probably a bit more brutal than inside. Jake's probably a real balance of 50-50 inside and out. Um, got a nice step. And he, the ability to go left and right, hand and foot, allows him to get out a bit, even though he's not blisteringly quick. Yeah. Um, his power running, his game running is really good. So his GPS was really, really high. So... Um, he's a little bit different than Sam, so he should complement um, that midfield as they go forward. Now, last year we went uh, heavily South Australian, and uh, there were a couple of South Aussies in the draft this season that, you know, by association, I guess, were linked with us. Was that, uh, at the time last year, my personal impression was that we went South Aussie just because of exposed form, but th- was that basically just the just the board, just how the board uh, fell? A bit. It was, it was a bit... Um, you know, they were comfortable and rated high because we'd seen them a lot. But, I mean, we rated Pedler. You know, we really rated Pedler through the roof until Fault was just the obvious selection yeah, for us. Yeah. And we couldn't go past him. So there was a bit of a focus on South Australians last year because they'd played and the Victorians hadn't. So they'll be safer. They rated up. But they were just good players, so it was pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, and the spread of our picks, we're always, you know, we had them on the board, but we're always going to miss some of them just because of the sheer gap. And then when Taylor and um, Saligo were available, we, rated them. we just had them rated higher. It wasn't that we didn't rate the other boys. It's just we had those boys rated a bit higher, so we had to take them. Mm. And then we just we just missed them. With Nan Curvis, we really had pegged a fair way out. Like We loved his speed. And once we you sort of got the three mids, um, we needed uh, to balance it off a little bit with some height and athleticism. And Nan Curvis, 190, still growing. You know, probably ends up about 193. He's, it's like he's growing before your eyes, and, yeah. and he had that real speed agility combination. So that worked out really well for us to get him and balance off the draft pretty well. Yeah, the reason why I, I, I guess I raise it now is because uh, at the at Zach's pick, we probably well Draper was still on the board, who a lot of people had us pegged at, and probably went yeah. a bit later than expected. And you know, we probably at, at the time I thought Sydney might have just cut our lunch with Matty Roberts, but it seems like Zach was always going to be the one anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 difficult because you know some of the supporters don't know the whole pool, so. They know who Arlo Draper is, so they just think we're going to pick him because he's yeah. South Australian. But we've just got to bring in the best players no matter where they come from. Um, and, and it's difficult. I read some of the stuff and, you know, everyone thinks we're going to pick Arlo because he's South Australian and we liked him and we had him on the board. But um, we just had those other boys a, a little bit ahead. Yeah. It's not that we we didn't rate Arlo. We, we did. We we liked his footy and I think he's a forward. Um, and, and good luck to the lad. He's a good lad. I hope he has a great career. Just on, Zach. You would have been rubbing your hands together even more than Jake Saligo, wouldn't you? Or Saligo, wouldn't you? That he was no, still around he got, down there. 
Yeah, we had a next to each other in our order. So, um, and Steve done a truckload of work on Zach and really liked him. And I've got just the most trust in Steve's eye and experience um, that you could possibly have in footy. And he, he loved Zach. He'd done a lot of work on him, watched him a lot. And in the end, he was just too good not to take. Um, you know, he, his ability to get out. Got an unbelievable step and really clean ball take. So he's balanced over the ball contest inside and out, and he's got enough speed coupled with really, really elite agility. You know, he can step out from anywhere. So in the end, it was just um, it was just too good not to pick. And uh, you mentioned already, Luke, uh, in the preseason, and I assume you took him in the PSD simply because there might have been some other clubs sniffing around. Uh, he yeah. just looks he just looks a raw talent, doesn't he? he with plenty of ceiling. Is that the read? Who knows where he could get to? Um, you know, it's a it's a really outstanding effort. He would have been in the Sandringham program last year if they had played, but I mean, he, he was a little bit late arriving for a couple of reasons to the Sandringham program. Then they didn't play, um, and you know, to do what he'd done this year from the very first time we saw him, you couldn't he you could not you know he just caught the eye. So yeah, um, he's growing and he can just play anywhere. I mean, he played genuine midfield in a game for Sandringham out at Craigieburn. I think he had 12 tackles in that game. And then he's played as a marking third tall forward. He's played some time on the wing. Now, we, we've even talked about him as a small forward because his ground ball is so good, um, because he has the agility to just get onto a ground ball so quick. So uh, his, his ceiling is who knows where um, and where he ends up playing. I don't actually know the answer yet. I think he's going to be a guy that can play, you know, two, three, maybe four positions. So... We're really pleased to get him. It's a great story. We we were we thought we might have missed the boat with the preseason draft spot. We activated it um, the the day before, um, yeah. knowing that there was a number of clubs interested. We and we, we had a rough idea where the interest was. So um, it was a good piece of strategy by Justin to jump up, put him in the preseason draft, and have a pick and take any risk out that someone would have knocked him off. Yeah. Um, we probably thought he wouldn't get to our rookie pick, so we had to do that. So that worked out well. I'm more than happy to have him. A two-year contract as a pre-season draft pick um, because he'll need a little bit of time. He's likely framed, but um, who knows where he could get to. I mean, there's not a huge amount of footage on him that, like publicly available, but the bit that I saw, and I hate to say this because you you don't like labelling players, but he just had a bit of Jimmy Hurt about him from my point of view, <laughs> uh, Hamish. <laughs> I think Rob will let him be Luke Nankervis. That, that's a pretty tough comparison, that one. But, um, <laughs> oh, I know, some, I know. Got some beautiful movement. Um, and look, from the very first internal trial, we saw him. And then probably the best two games of the year in quality were probably the Vic Metro, Vic Country game at Windy Hill, which was a super game. Metro won easy. And the draft numbers reflect that. I mean, they still got the most people drafted. Big Metro, yeah. even they had a COVID interrupted year. But I mean, that comes from volume of population, so they should get the most uh, drafted. But the second probably best game of the year was Oakley Sandringham in quality. They called it round two, but it was the first NAB League game we saw at Moorabbin at St Kilda's home ground, and he he was very exciting and caught, really caught the eye in that game. So we tracked him basically every game from there. I even had a guy go and watch him at Bentley when he went back and played local footy. So, um, yeah, we, we saw every game and we followed him and it's a really good effort to get to get drafted, even though it's in the pre-season draft or sort of 13 games for the season. Um, it's a testament to him. He loves footy, he loves training. He works really, really hard. He's, he can knock out a really impressive 2K time trial and his speed and agility is there for everyone to see off the vision. So, pretty yeah. pleased to get him. 
And of course, just to round it off, we re-rookied uh, Ben. Um, we had a bit of a chat about that with Tim, and Tim commented, you know, that the preference was. Uh, in the end, it was for someone that uh, had a bit of experience and uh, conditioning and also, obviously, Ben, you know, a favourite around the club as well, probably sealed that yeah, one. Yeah, he's great for culture and leadership. The coaches were really, really keen to get him back. I know he's been on the list for a while, but it's more like his start to his career was sort of one, two years ago, not, you know, not four years ago because he'd been injury interrupted along the way. And, you know, so you bring in a guy in his early 20s, and basically, he starts, you know, he starts his career from last year where he got a full run out of his amazing neck. He's yeah. a great fella. You know, what he did at the end of the year, um, you know, gave the coaches great confidence that, you know, for them to push him to keep going. So we were happy to back the coaches in on that one and, and get him back. Gives us yeah. some, you know, great depth and versatility. So, yeah, it was, it was a pretty easy choice in the end. Yeah, well, he was able to show off his, his fantastic disposal towards the end of the year, and I reckon that might have opened a few people's eyes because under pressure and in congestion, he was able to pinpoint passes really nicely, and you sort of think, oh, okay, you've got that string to your bow as well, Ben. So, Well, he, he hadn't had a lot of time down back, um, mm. and, you know, Jake, Jake Kelly leaving as a free agent, looks at, you know, similar size, can play on taller and medium-sized opponents. He can play on smalls if he needed to. He's in amazing condition. Like, he's clearly trained well the last couple of years. He's done a power work on the off-season. Um, and, you know, look, we've seen him play forward before, and he can, he's played some great footy on the wing at SANFL. So the versatility, great person. Um, he's a great survivor, so it's a good story. Yeah. Just on that, do you ever watch players that you developed as they're going through the, the system? And do you ever feel like knocking on the list management committee's door and going, hey, listen, <laughs> you, you, you're not doing it right <laughs> with a particular player? Or do you ever have that sort of feeling that, or do you have input into their development as they go through? Oh, absolutely. We talk about it all the time. I mean, you know, uh, Nixie's on list management. Sometimes Scott Burns comes in. Obviously, Reedy's across our list more than anyone because you know he's contracting and recontracting and um, you know delistings at the end of the year. So yeah, we talk about that every month and we ask questions: How's he going? What's he working on? Marco Bello shows us the craft plan of what they've been working on. We talk about their weapon. We give input to the coaches at the start when the players come. We hand over to the coaches last week and give them an idea of what we see. We, there's reports with. Coaching notes is coaching this way, focus on this. Marco Bello will speak to their local coaches and see what they've been doing and um, you know, get input from the sample and the NAB League coaches as to what they're working on, what they see. So, yeah, that's an ongoing discussion. We talk about those things all the time. Yeah. Um, and just to finish off, Hamish, uh, uh, one of our listeners had a question about, you know, a post-drafting benchmarking. So the, the players that come through, do you look back and reassess the the benchmarks that you use to make those selections and maybe tweak your your own systems and data analysis? We do. I mean, we, we review ourselves, trust me, Rob, we review ourselves harder than anyone. Um, you know, we go back through every pick, we do it in five-year cycles. I'm about to start a review on this draft, so we'll review every selection. Um, we'll review the players that weren't selected and then work on where they sit for next year. Are they going to come onto our board or are we going to still track them? Um, we re- review every club selections. Um, they go onto the board with all the other AFL-listed players. Um, 
we review why someone went higher than we thought, why someone went lower than we thought, put all the intel together, um, and then we, we've had an external um, review our last uh, five or six years' drafts. So, um, yeah, it's pretty detailed and it's very thorough. Um, yeah. So we want to know what we thought we got right, what we got wrong, um, why was there, uh, you know, a disparity in someone going, you know, for, for example, Sheldrick, we'll go back and review that one. Now, he went a bit higher than we thought. Yeah. So we'll go back and review his selection. Why did he go higher? Maybe it was Geelong just needed that player. Um, will we, uh, and as his form becomes exposed over time, you know, like if he wins the Brownlow or ends up a 200-game player, maybe, you know, we have to look at why why did we um, not rate him high enough. So, yeah, yeah all yeah. those sorts of things come into it. Yeah, do you reckon it's the biggest area of growth in AFL recruiting, in the recruiting space and that sort of analysis? Oh, I think so. I mean, the data and analytics is, is an area of growth and an area that all clubs have got better in. Um, yeah, our review's been extensive as long as I've been here. And going back to when Maddie and I were together, we used to re- review extensively. And we, we've modified the systems. Um, we're going we're gonna to implement a new uh, review tool this year where we talk to the players that we drafted about our process along the way. What did they like? What did they not like? We've talked to the parents already about our interviews. What stood out to you? What could we have asked better? Was there something that was missing? So, um, yeah, that part has been extensive. The part we'll probably add to is, is getting the, the players' input now. That, um, yeah. I'll devise a bit of a survey. Um, we might be able to glean a little bit of intel now, the boys that we've drafted, what they dealt with with other clubs, um, what did other clubs ask, what some of the processes and systems that other clubs use. So, um yeah, we start that. We start that from today. I'm about to go in with Justin, and we'll start the review of the draft now. Hamish, you're a legend of the club. You've been around for ages. Um, you've seen the club go through uh, ups and downs, and it feels like a bit of an upswing at the moment. And uh, from my point of view, the engagement that the club's offered us and your generosity with your time today is greatly appreciated. So all the best. Uh, over the next few weeks and all the best over Christmas and uh, here's to a successful 22, eh? Thanks, Rob. I think our supporters are really going to enjoy watching these boys develop along with the boys we brought in last year. Um, they're really going to enjoy watching them and um, just, just trust us. I'm, I'm telling you, you're going you're gonna to love Sligo and Taylor and Michelle and Mankerb. You're going to love watching them. You're going to really enjoy watching their progress. So, yep, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Fantastic, Hamish. Cheers, mate.